is Ed Mazur, chairman of the City Club of Chicago. Our speaker today was Anna Valencia, the City of Chicago's city clerk, who oversees one of the largest offices in Chicago, serving 1.2 million Chicagoans annually and generating more than $130 million annually. Clerk Anna Valencia was introduced by the alderwoman of the 10th Ward, Susan Sedlowski-Garza, who, by the way, is the first woman to be elected to the city council from the southeast side 10th Ward and the first member of the city council who's also a member of the Chicago Teachers Union. As city clerk, Anna Valencia has focused on making government accessible to all Chicagoans. Under her leadership, she talked about how the city clerk has made it a priority to find new and innovative ways to bring services directly to residents, to increase civic engagement, collaborate across government in the private and public sectors. You'll hear about Chicago's clerk's mobile city hall, the no-fee veteran sticker, a reduced-term city sticker, and the success of the city ID. Prior to becoming the city clerk, Anna Valencia served as the second woman and first Latina to run Mayor Rahm Emanuel's Legislative Council and Government Affairs Office. She has also worked for several elected officials, including U.S. Senator Dick Durbin, Mayor Emanuel, of course, former State Senate President John Cullerton, and current United States Congressman Michael Quigley. Anna Valencia has been named one of the most influential millennial women in U.S. politics. Chicago Magazine listed her as an emerging power player, highlighting her as a rising star in Chicago politics. The 35-year-old Anna Valencia, city clerk, has been awarded Negociosis Now's 40 Under for her work as part of the next generation of Latina leaders. Anna Valencia has a degree in international studies from the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign. She currently resides in the Tri-Taylor neighborhood with her husband, Riyadh, their dog, and in five to six weeks, she will be welcoming a baby girl to the Valencia family. She finished up by saying she is one of three citywide elected officials, all of color, black and brown women. She was referring, of course, to Mayor Lori Lightfoot, City Treasurer Melissa Conyers-Irvin, and herself. City Clerk, Anna Valencia. Good afternoon, everyone. I am so excited to be here today. My name is Sue Sidlowski-Garza. I am the first woman ever to hold a seat in the 10th Ward, so I'm very proud of that. And I'm also the first uh, Chicago Teachers Union member ever to be an alderman in city council. So I'm very proud of those two accomplishments. Um, I have to say, when um, Anna Valencia asked me to, to do this, I said yes without hesitation. Um, I'm in a world where, you know, you're always looking around trying to figure out who wants what and who needs this and who needs that. Anna has become somebody that I admire, I respect. She, she's my friend. And I trust her. She'll tell me if I have lipstick on my teeth or if I have toilet paper on my shoe. Um, she's real. And she deeply cares about what she does. Um, 
I've had the pleasure of knowing, knowing her for several years in various different roles. And I can tell you that she is a fierce champion for women and working families. Like me, she comes from a proud union household. And coming from a background like ours, you understand the importance of working hard and the pride that comes from your job. You understand that the strong values of income equality, gender equity, and workers' rights. You can see that Clerk Valencia has these values in everything she does and all that she's accomplished. Like her work through the status of women and working girls, the working group that she established. She's fiercely helped champion Fair Work Week that is the most comprehensive progressive scheduling policy in the nation. Yeah, you can clap. From her work to tackling the city's fines and fees policies that disproportionately impacted our city's black and brown residents. Yes, huge. I traveled around the city with her and listened to people's stories that were affected by these fines and fees. I still get choked up. You, it's this... That one policy change changed the lives of so many people. So thank you so much for that. How about the municipal ID program? Helps all residents get a government-issued ID. Anna has always been on the side of working people. Even in her young career, Clerk Valencia has always been a fighter for our communities, and I can't wait to see what she does next. But when she stands up, you're going to see what she's going to do next. <laughs> Just saying, maybe she'll give us a gender reveal at the end, right? Um, with that, I'd really like to introduce my friend, my comrade, Clerk Anna Valencia. Beyonce theme song is playing right now, and you know, you can, I can't get emotional today. These pregnancy hormones are real. Um, and before I start, I wanted to give a shout out to a couple people. I know I'm going to miss people, but I saw uh, Commissioner Donna Miller here. First who is always such a good friend. I'm like, you're here. She's like, of course I am. So thank you for coming. I saw former Alderman Joe Moore in the audience. I got to give love to some of my fire pension guys and my firefighters over here. They have a whole table. Thank you, Chief Ford, for being here as well. Um, and then I, I'm going to get to my remarks. Otherwise, if I go off script, I will lose it all. So good afternoon and thank you so much for joining me here today. Um, I want to first start off by thanking Alderman Garza for that wonderful and beautiful authentic introduction. And what I love about Sue is Sue is who she is. And I remember when I first became city clerk, uh, she said, you know, I wasn't, and it's funny because I, I got this often. I was Mayor Rahm Emanuel's legislative director before city clerk. And they're like, I wasn't sure, so sure about you. Uh, I didn't really know, uh, you know, trusting whether you're trusting the enemy or not. But she was like, I really, you know, I really like you. You just like, and I was like, thank you. I like you too. Can we be friends? Uh, so, and that's really true. And that's how it happened. 
Uh, I want to thank City Club for having me and hosting me. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Ed Mauser and Jackie Roth and Ivy, of course. Uh, it's been, I haven't been here since fall of 2017. So thank you for having me back. I also want to say a special t thank you to my team OCC, my teammates who make all these crazy ideas come to life, even when they don't want to. Uh, if you're a member of the Office City Clerk, led by my chief of staff, Catherine O'Connell, who's amazing, fierce lawyer, woman lawyer, who I'm going to make her turn red. If you guys could all stand, we came we came out today. Please stand to be recognized. have to thank uh, my husband Riyadh, who you all probably know, the first man of the first clerk's office. You probably all have gotten a hug against coronavirus uh, restrictions. <laughs> but I want to publicly thank him. He's an amazing partner, 50-50 uh, all the way through. He's going to be an amazing dad. So I just want to publicly thank you, Riyadh. And I have to shout out my faith leader friends who are here today, and I know some couldn't make it, but I really appreciate you for praying for me and Riyadh and our new baby girl. Um, <laughs> it means a lot. I know uh, I couldn't do this without prayer. So I know Coach Gordon's here, Pastor Ricky Allman, and my home church, City Church Chicago, Pastor Kent Alley Muncy in the audience. Thank you for being here. And thank you to our faith community for all you do for our city. Deacon Dyson, I see you too. Thank you, Deacon. Well, it's been a few years since my last city club speech, and a lot has changed. I'm a few years older, wiser, and moving into an exciting new phase in my personal life, which you could say is pretty obvious. I just celebrated the start of my third year as city clerk, and though time seems to be flying, I'm proud of the great things we've done to accomplish, but we will get that to that in a minute. I always like to start these conversations in a grounding of my why, the reason I'm standing here today. The origin of my why, before I was a city clerk of Chicago, I was, and proudly still am, Joe and Debbie Valencia's daughter. Growing up, I saw my parents work through a lot, the good times and the bad, through economic struggles like the recession and state budget crisis that led my mother losing her job for not having a college degree, and a medical crisis like my mother's breast cancer diagnosis and remission, and my father's dialysis treatment. Today is, extra, today is actually extra special for me because it's a one-year anniversary that my father was given a second chance of life with a successful kidney transplant. <laughs> Through all of this, they never complained, they worked hard, and they provided for our family. Every day, I get the honor to go into our city, into our communities, and meet parents and families just like mine. I have met people like Miss Rose, a fierce advocate and parent organizer who works tirelessly for low-income and working families. She gave a voice to the families who are just trying to make sense of the city's fines and fees system, a system that to be kept pushing them into debt and very much kicking them while they were down. I also met a, young, uh, uh, met a woman like Jamila, who's here with me today. Woo! Jamila who left her successful corporate job to start a young women's mentoring organization, Ladies of Virtue, 
that teaches them to become confident and purpose-driven leaders. Or like Kyra, my mentee from Chicago Scholars, and her mother Nisi from the Roseland community, who's also here today. They are both, you can give her a shout out. They're both working incredibly hard to tackle the college tuition to make sure that Kyra becomes part of the first generation of her family to graduate a four-year university from Villanova. Or people like Wendy Robles, who's also here too. They're all at that table, all trying to like squirm back, but I'm going to shout them out. A community advocate who I met at an ICE check-in, facing the real possibility that her husband would be ripped apart from their family by the federal administration's racist immigration policies, who as parents are trying their best to give their children, Natalia and Patty, a better life than they both have. These are the families, moms and sisters, who I speak with every day. A daily reminder of why I do what I do and whose stories aren't that different from my own. Families just trying to make it by and give their children, like my parents, an endless amount of opportunity. The American dream. We say that Chicago is a city that works, but how does our city work for working families? A study done by the University of Illinois Chicago showed that in 1970, 50% of the city's residents were middle income. Today, just 16% are considered middle class. It is harder now than ever to stay in the middle class across race and gender. Gone are the days of working hard, joining a union, getting health care benefits, and enabling you to help your children go to college, just like, my di- just like my parents did for me and my sister. We see systematic inequality ranging from health care to housing and government policies that perpetuate it. And it's just not racial segregation, it's also income segregation. That American dream has been promised is quickly disappearing. I am part of the first generation that will be worse off than their parents. I'm part of the sandwich generation, where I'm now caring for parents and a soon-to-be newborn. I stand here and think, does this mean my daughter will be born into a world that is worse off than my generation? Our economy is different. Our health care system is different. And we, as a government, have to change and evolve with it, making policies that adapt to the times that we're in. The structures around how you get into the middle class have eroded. And we, as elected officials, have a duty, a responsibility, to fortify the foundation and make it stronger. The gap is getting wider between the haves and have-nots. We must continue to champion these type of innovative and progressive policies that work for all working families. And it's no coincidence that my timing my speech comes right before International Women's Day on Sunday. About a third of families in Chicago are headed by a single woman. When we talk about working families, many times we're talking about mothers who act as both the mom and the dad. These families are not only at the center of our policy crafting process, but they are the driving force behind our office's foundational principles. I said this in my very first City Club speech, and it rings truer now than ever. Government doesn't belong to our elected officials or those who work in those offices. It belongs to the hardworking people who pay the taxes and those residents who need help through no fault of their own. Early on in my role as Office of the City Clerk, I got a lot of advice. And one of those pieces of advice was focus solely on your office and to stay in my lane. 
well. <laughs> Why do the bare minimum when we have the capacity, talent, and resources to do so much more? Yeah. The beauty of this role for me has given me the freedom to make it my own. I've been able to carve out this position, shaping the visions and goals I discussed two years ago right here on the stage and making it a reality. When I first became city clerk, I was the only citywide female elected official. Now I am one of three and we are all women of color. I want you to think about that for a moment. We're the third largest city in America, and we are run by black and brown women. Now, imagine, what can we do if we all worked together to make Chicago truly work for his residents? If all of us used our various perspectives and lived experiences to shape city policies? We need to think big and we need to think bold. It means overhauling the system as we know it. It means taking a hard look at our policies that support the foundations of the middle class, like paid leave, economic security, and social safety net. You can clap. Recently, we've seen companies attack these issues head on. Major companies like Prudential Financial have changed their leave policies offering 26-week parental leave for both mothers and fathers. Intel allows employees up to eight weeks of paid leave to take care of a seriously ill family member. There was no official parental leave policy for city employees until 2011 when Mayor Emanuel came into office and made it one of his first priorities. Now, city employees who are mothers are guaranteed at least four weeks of paid leave to care for a newborn baby. Data shows longer leave times are associated with less economic stress and lower likelihood of financial hard hardship. But that's just the minimum. That's just a start. And it's not just parents who need paid leave. It's workers who need to care for a sick family member, like a parent, spouse, or child. It's for workers who need to take care of themselves after a major surgery or mental health issue. Like my dad, who couldn't make it to my swearing-in ceremony last May because he exhausted all this sick time for his kidney transplant and couldn't get a day off. Part of the reason we don't have these paid leave policies plays right into our second problem, economic security. People cannot take time off for fear of retaliation, or worse, they'll lose their job. We as a government should be setting the example so that big and small companies alike can follow our lead. And what if we, what if we just thought and reimagined the work week altogether? The original eight-hour day, five-hour work week schedule came out of a need to give workers stability and balance during the booming industrial economy at the turn of the 20th century. Times have changed, but the need to give our workers balance hasn't. More women and working moms are participating in the workforce. Families with young children make up two-fifths of all American families, and 61% of those families are headed by two working parents. Not to mention that an estimated 34 million Americans provide unpaid care to an adult over age 50. It's not about working less, working less hours or trying to skirt the system. It's about how can we increase productivity by reimagining the workday that helps working families, like offering flex time and remote work. In this room, especially this room, I think we could all agree that there's truly no end to the workday in this interconnected world. We are 24-7 connected to our devices. I think I yelled at my husband about this last night. 
<laughs> More importantly, we agree that we're not the only more productive, but we are better parents, children, and colleagues when we can take paid time off to go to the doctor or a parent-teacher conference without feeling guilty. With women not only taking on a larger portion of the workforce, but also an elected official office, this is our opportunity to make those changes. And with three women currently holding all executive offices here in the city of Chicago, we have the power to do it. But my question is, do we have the will? But we just can't stop at challenging the idea of what makes up a workday. We must ask ourselves, how do we make sure that our economic future stays intact? As someone who grew up in a working family, who was a first-generation college student and a proud Latina, I know firsthand the struggles our residents face. That is why we've already started to tackle some of these issues and turn them into success. It starts with things like supporting a fair and predictable scheduling ordinance, which we support as part of the status of women and girls working group, including raising the minimum wage. It means supporting legislation that provides for a family-sustaining work week. Workers need predictable schedules with notices their families can count on. They need a predictability of pay and for scheduling changes, the right to decline extra hours, and the right to access more work hours if they need it. And thank you, Sue, for leading the charge on this. Just like we did with fines and fees, the system wasn't working, and we had to do something about it. We had an obligation to do so. We were placing barriers on working families who wanted and tried to follow the laws but were being set up to fail. After taking in all this information, I couldn't stay quiet. I couldn't let this continue when it was clear these practices were driving hardworking families like my family and Miss Rose into crippling debt. Take the CTA bus driver I met in North Lawndale at one of our fines and fees roundtables. A hardworking father of five doing everything he could to provide his children with endless opportunities. That American dream. And despite his work ethic, he unfortunately fell victim to a broken system. After one city sticker ticket, he spiraled into debt that caused him to lose his license and eventually his job. After hearing this story and many like it, I knew I had to do more. That's why we had to reform the system, and in partnership with Mayor Lori Lightfoot and the City Council, we tackled the issue head-on, passing our first ordinance of reform in September. You can clap for that. And during October, nearly 9,000 motorists took advantage of our city sticker Amnesty Month, and our compliance rate increased by 910%. I will repeat that. Compliance increased by 910% in one month, proving that when you give people options, they can change. Not only did we hold the first of its kind historic Amnesty Month, we launched a host of other reforms. We introduced the reduced term city sticker, which lowered the barrier to entry for, uh, for obtaining a city sticker. This allows residents a purchase a city sticker for a shorter period of time instead of a one-year or two-year option, making it more affordable option for many Chicagoans, starting as low as $30. We also... I like the clap. We also made changes to our new no-fee veteran city sticker, removing the veteran's designation date requirement, making it more inclusive and accessible to more of our nation's heroes. 
it's not just changes we've made or continuing to make online, it's boots on the ground, meet them where they are, mentality we've cultivated in our office. We want to ensure our residents have the resources they need to access city services efficiently. And in my first term, we launched the Chicago City Key Program. It quickly became the key to accessing our city and its services, whether it was gaining access employment, renting an apartment, or just having the peace in mind, a dignity that comes with having an ID. The program has made a vital impact on our residents and all of our communities. Accessibility has been a huge priority for us, but we've also made an effort to reframe the conversation around the system and practices driving residents to our office in the first place. This past summer, we launched our Mobile City Hall initiative to bring those city services directly to our residents and their communities, offering evening hours and even Saturday hours. I've heard firsthand from residents about their struggles to get to City Hall to obtain these services they desperately needed. Hard-working residents taking time off work, struggling to find childcare to make the trip to City Hall. Mobile City Hall made these obstacles an issue of the past. The success of Mobile City Hall has proved the power of meeting our residents where they are, and I'm excited to share we'll be continuing the program this upcoming spring. Creating policies rooted in the principles of accessibility, openness, and collaboration, we've been able to address those issues I hear from our residents. I've had a lot of jobs in my short time here, 35 years young, but I always say serving as your city clerk has been the best job I've ever had, yet. Every day I walk into City Hall determined to make a positive and long-lasting impact on the city. And the only way to do so is to stay rooted in those principles, to continue to ensure that City Hall is accessible and open, to continue to bring people from different lived experiences and backgrounds to the table to assist in the policy crafting making. It needs to be about the work and its lasting impact and not who gets the credit. Simply put in words of Sheryl Sandberg, leadership is about making others better as a result of your presence and making sure that the impact lasts in your absence. Because the only way to ensure lasting impact is to continue to create policies centered around the people that drive this city. Hardworking people who embody the pulse of Chicago, like Miss Rose, like Jamila, like Kyra, like Nisi, and like Wendy. <clears throat> and like the essence of Collegians 127 teaches us, God's power works through me when it's not about me. That is the true spirit and meaning of public service. And let's bring that intention to serve others before ourselves, and let's bring that back to government and politics. I'm sorry, that was Colossians 127. I got nervous. <laughs> we've worked so hard and we've done so much, but I'm excited for the future because we have so much left to do. And with women in charge and at the top, no one can stop us. <laughs> we are at the moment in our city's history where we have more leaders coming into office that reflect our lived experiences and the people that we serve. And it's just not elected office. It's our city colleges led by Juan Salgado. It's our Chicago public schools led by Dr. Janice Jackson. It's our foundations led by Felicia Davis and Dr. Dr. Helene Gale, we have the possibility to begin transforming the way our workday looks like for working families and single parents because we have the right leaders.
We have the opportunity to right the ship in a new direction of fairness and equity. But my question to all of you is what will we do with this momentum? And what will you do with this moment? Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much, Anna. Thank you very much. Um, no, I'm good. I can see. You sure? Yeah. It's okay. Because you look a little different than when you were here in 2017. <laughs> okay. We have a couple of questions here. Um, we'll hold this one here. This is from. Uh, Jillian Rosenberg Armour. Jillian, where are you? She's right over there. And um, Jillian, you're not a City Club member. Guess what? For 50 bucks, you can become a member. Then you would check the other box, and you'll help us reach our goal of 2,400 members. We're just a little short, so consider that. And it's tax deductible, by the way. Okay, so here's our question. How do you empower other young women? Hey. Um, also, I got to give a shout out to Beth Swanson. Uh, hello, Beth. Thanks for coming. Um, so, you know, for me, it's all about giving back to what I've been given so much. I feel like I've, when I've come up in this business, I mean, I was first in my family to go to college at U of I. I accidentally, yes, U of I. I hear some U of I alum. And I, you know, I actually landed in kind of an internship that landed me in Virginia and, and got into politics, politics and organizing. I've had a lot of great mentors help me, but I've had a lot of male mentors help me. It just happened to be that's who was in politics at the time. So I always want to try to help young women, especially trying to get into the political government space because it's always hard to maybe get your foot in the door at the first time or how to navigate the process. So I just think it's on all of us that if we've been given so much that we should give back to. So I still do this. My team yells at me all the time. I think I just told someone in here I was going to have coffee with her before I went into maternity leave. And I will hold that. But I try to do coffee hours. Sometimes I do speed. It seems like speed dating. So I always tell young Young people, if they see someone they're interested in their career or their life, to ask them for coffee or a 15-minute call, that 90% of the time they'll say yes. And then I find that advice coming back to me. But it's really, you know, it's just if you give that young person, that young woman, 15 minutes of your time, it could change their trajectory. I know that I've been on the other receiving end, and someone would have just say something, a nugget, and it gave me the motivation or empowerment or encouragement. And uh, lastly, Riyadh and I had... Um, oh, I'll tell the Ariana story and then I'll embarrass her. Ariana Garcia, who works for me, who's worked for me, who's worked for me since 2014 in some capacity. She can never leave me. Don't take her, anyone. Uh, no, but she, her and her mom saw me speak at Mujeres en Acción on a panel. And next thing I know, they raced out in the lobby and followed me and asked me for coffee. And she came, and three weeks later, three weeks later I hired her. And then she just kept, 
you know, following me around where I got a new job, and, and she's great. And she grew up in Pilsen and, you know, went to Miami, Ohio, and first in her family to go, to go to college, too, but that's how it starts. That's how it starts. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, this is from City Club member Elisa Tate. Elisa, where are you? Oh, right over there. Great. Her question is, given your strong focus on reducing fines and fees, how will your office address the impact of ticketing yep. of ticketing under the new cannabis law? Okay, I'm going to ask my chief legal counsel to come up and speak to that. No, I'm just kidding. Andy. Uh, no, that's something that we're working out now because those are the rules. When the and when the state came in, you know, we are trying to we are trying to catch up quickly with what the state rules are. So that'll be an issue that we're concerning. And I think also, if you see, I want to give props to the mayor. Um, you know, what I love about her too is anytime I go around, someone's texting me. Oh, the mayor mentioned about fines and fees, and I think it's awesome that we're supporting each other in the work that we're doing. But she's really looking at fines and fees holistically too and I think this was just one thing that we recognized and we started peeling the onion back and we saw more and more you saw her do some stuff on water what's happening with water but I think that's the same thing we have to make sure we're doing with cannabis um, and where the ticketing's happening who's writing the tickets um, making sure that it's fair and equitable and and those things are very important so we haven't dug into it as much as we need to but that's something I'm sure that's on the radar Okay, thank you. Um, this question's from City Club member Becca Shy. Becca, where are you? Right back there. Great. She's with uh, ABIC, A-B-I-C. Thank you for leadership and immigration and city sticker amnesty. She benefited. <laughs> That's how she paid for her City Club membership, by the way. We're grateful. Her question is, well, she really has two questions. How do you balance work with non-work? Um, you mentioned the strong support from Riyadh and so on. And her second question is, you said, being clerk is the best job you've had yet. <laughs> so you know this is bound to come up. She wants to know if you're considering running for any statewide office. So first of all, on the balance issue, that's a lot easier for me to, um, you know, the balance issue, I think that's a, you know, when I started and in, in, in young, I was, I think, 25 when I ran a statewide um, political, as deputy political director for the Senate caucus, Senate Democratic caucus. And I started kind of young in this world and all my life has been about work. So this new season I'm about to enter, it's really challenging me to switch my priorities. And when I met my husband, it challenged me to switch my priorities again. Uh, for me, one, my faith has been a huge amount of strength for me. I, my faith in whatever faith you have, whether it's God or Buddhism or a spirit or universe, I think it's really helped me stay grounded and focused. Um, and two, I think finding people that give you energy that don't take, like in, your, in this world and you're all leaders in your own right, you know there's takers and givers. This should be in my TED talk. Um, <laughs> 
and you can identify them. So making sure that you intentionally surround yourself and plan people in your life and your day that will bring you joy. Maybe it's a coffee or a breakfast or lunch. Make a plan in your schedule to have them and you'll come up to your day and be like, oh, I didn't know I was having coffee with so-and-so this morning. What a treat. And it just kind of gives you that little extra, you know, jilt to go into your day. So that kind of helped me. I was wondering who would catch the yet. Uh, It's just more fun than anything. Uh, I'm a very, you know, I want to, I narrow my dream and what I want to continue to do with work with impact. It has to be impacting people's lives. It has to be touching people's lives. And it can be small scale, large scale, doesn't matter. So whether that's public office, whether that's corporate, whether that's nonprofit, foundation, whatever it may be, and whatever God's plan is for me. So that's my answer. Very diplomatic, very tactful. Wonderful. You can tell. University of Illinois. They train as well. So um, what do you think of our fighting Illini and the uh, upcoming NCAA as, you know, alums, former educators, and so on? That is something I've not prioritized to follow, but um, my husband went to the Ohio State University, so right now we are having a battle of the onesies, so we'll see what happens. Big game tonight, you know, Ohio State and Illinois. We'll talk about it tomorrow. (laughs) Okay, Uh, this is from... uh, Nick Kacharubas with DePaul University. Uh, He wants to know if you could give us a report or an update on the uh, City Key Program and any future plans for the program. Yes, uh, so the City Key Program is, is going great. I want to also thank Kirk Dillard, who's here with the RTA. We are exploring op- uh, opportunities with them, and we've been working with other great partners. Uh, Commissioner Bridget Gaynor's not here today, but her and Commissioner Dennis Deer helped us get into the Cook County Jail system. So we are now printing uh, the IDs in the Cook County Jail. I have a dream and vision that there will be a foundation or corporate partner that would put 5 or $10 on those cards preloaded, and so after we print them, the folks that have them could get onto CTA for free to get to their next place. So if there's anyone that shares that vision or dream in here, just saying. Uh, but we have been printing those. We're also printing them in the juvenile detention center, too. And we're looking for other ways to partner um, city colleges. We're looking at partnering with them. Um, so we continue to change. We have now 70 business partners. If you're looking to offer a discount or a free day at your museum, the Field Museum has given us a free day. DuSabo Museum has given us a discount. The Museum of Science and Industry has given us a discount. Broadway Theaters, Goodman Theater. So it's really made the program even stronger. So that's kind of the update. Well, thank you. And by the way, in case uh, you weren't, weren't able to write down everything that uh, Clerk Valencia talked about, uh, we have a podcast on WGN Radio so that you could go back and, and listen at your leisure. And she just mentioned the partnership with the DuSable Museum, and they have a fantastic exhibit that has just opened up and will be continuing for the next six to nine months on the civil rights era. Okay. Our last question. This is from City Club member Steve Shucker. Stephen, where are you? He's right over there. He's a researcher. It's kind of an interesting question from a researcher. (laughs) How is the name picking going? (laughs) 
for your soon-to-be daughter? Well, uh, I won't say it out loud here because I don't think I've told my whole family. Uh, but it'll be unique. It's already pick. It's already picked out because my husband, my husband and I are Type A personalities. So she already has monogram clothes from her last baby shower last weekend. And uh, no, it's unique and it's special to us. Do you want me to say it? Cat, my chief of staff tells me no, and I listen to her because she scares me. No, but follow, oh, here we go. Follow at Shy City Clerk, and you will be the first to know. Absolutely, absolutely the best. By the way, you mentioned your husband. You mentioned, and we're so happy to hear that your dad is doing so well, your mom, etc., what about that dog that you have? Oh, she's great. We are a little concerned about the baby. Oh, <laughs> this is my, the most fun city club I've been to in a while. Um, the dog is great. We're a little afraid she's going to have some issues because she has been the child. She is very spoiled. She flies with us. She, you know, she lives a life. Uh, so I'll report back in a year, but hopefully she's okay. <laughs> okay, great. Um, 